Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME-CE credit. James is a 51-year-old man with a lifetime history of asthma. He normally acts up when he gets ill. He uses albuterol and fluticasone inhalers as needed. He has asthma exacerbations about twice a year, mostly in the spring and fall as the seasons change. He now presents to your office with a cough that is productive of yellow phlegm and some shortness of breath. He tells you he always gets treated with a Z-Pack and steroids and feels better within a few days. His exam today is remarkable only for bilateral wheezing and a decreased peak flow by 65%. Hi, this is Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Joining me today to discuss uh, good stewardship of antibiotic use is Alan Ehrlich, associate professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and executive editor of Dynamed. Welcome to the show, Alan. Thanks, Frank. Wow. So James, like many patients, often present requesting a ZPAC. Does he need one? So a lot of uh, practitioners think that if there's phlegm, uh, with an asthma exacerbation that we should give antibiotics. But that's really not true. The vast majority of asthma exacerbations are triggered by viruses, and the steroids will be beneficial for them, but the z uh is unlikely to make much difference. Some people think, well, it's, it has some anti-inflammatory properties, but uh, in uh, randomized trials, it's not been shown to provide any benefit. Interesting. I, I, I suspect that... Um uh, because of the azithromycin's short course, patients are always interested in it, and they, they often feel no adverse harms. Um, why, are, why are we clinicians reluctant to tell patients they do not need an antibiotic? Well, I think this is a, a typical case where someone comes in and they say things like, uh, you know, this happens to me all the time, this, and I get better if you give me this. And to try and explain to a patient that, maybe a different course of treatment might be equally effective, uh, many providers are reluctant to go down that route. They're afraid it's going to take a lot of time, the patient's going to get mad at them, if I don't give them the antibiotic, they're just going to go somewhere else and get it, all those types of things. In reality, the vast majority of patients are very receptive to listening to ways to avoid uh, taking antibiotics. There's always going to be some that will insist, but one of the things I like to say is that very, very few people come to your office wanting an antibiotic. They want to feel better. Many times they think an antibiotic is the way to do that, but fundamentally they want to feel better. And if you address those concerns, often you can uh, easily convince them of alternatives to antibiotic prescription. Well, that, that's a great lead-in. So what are some other strategies we can use to help patients use less antibiotics and, and feel and, and stop making that connection between antibiotics and getting better? So, first of all, it helps to focus on symptoms and give advice for symptom management. The second thing is, I, I like to talk about treating patients like they're adults, for the, assuming you're treating adult patients. 
One of the proven ways of decreasing antibiotic use is a delayed prescription. You say to someone, listen, you're, you know, I know you've needed the Z-Pack before, but I don't think you're going to need it this time, and here's what we're going to do. I'll give you the prescription, wait two days, and see if you're starting to get better. If you're starting to get better, you're probably just going to keep getting better. And patients are very receptive to that. And in studies where they track how many patients fill and how many they don't, it shows a marked decrease in uh, prescription fulfillment. So a delayed prescription is a great idea. Any other suggestions? It helps to have uh, materials in your office. If you've got signs up on your office wall that basically say, we are trying to uh, limit inappropriate antibiotic prescribing, you know, patients spend time in your room when you're not there, and they look around and they see stuff, or handouts that you can give that helps explain it. One of the things that comes up is people will say, you know, I'd like to do this, but I'm very busy, and I don't want to get into a long, drawn-out discussion or argument with the patient. And there's this notion that it takes a lot longer to not prescribe an antibiotic than it does to prescribe one. Um, but there was a recent research letter in the Annals of Internal Medicine that reached a somewhat surprising conclusion. They were studying patients who were being treated via telemedicine, one of these national telemedicine organizations. And th what they did was all these things are video recorded, and they could time how long various visits took. And they looked at things like bronchitis, sinusitis, um, pharyngitis, and other URIs. And they compared how long did the visit take if you got an antibiotic, how long did it take if you got nothing, or if you got something else. The reason they did something else is that people often have this notion the way to avoid prescribing antibiotics is to give another prescription. People want a prescription, okay? <laughs> and if you just give them a prescription, they'll be happy. I, I'm curious. Um, one of the things that you've said about having posters on the wall is, is great. I actually have a little sign up that says, you know, taking antibiotics unnecessarily increases the risk of methicillin-resistant staph and C. difficile. And sometimes I tell patients, you know, there are some studies that show the more antibiotics you take, the harder it is to lose weight and the more likely you'll gain weight. And that's often a motivator for people to be hesitant about antibiotics. I have a question, though. When, in, in, with someone like James, he's having an asthma exacerbation, when would you use an antibiotic? So uh, appropriate indications of an antibiotic would be if you had uh, evidence of pneumonia, um, for, and that would be, you know, that's really the only indication for a cough is if you've got x-ray uh, indications of pneumonia or there's other clinical signs that strongly suggest that perhaps somebody with rails, maybe they're dehydrated so you, you feel the x-ray might not be positive but they might have a fever and you have other clinical factors that it would at least give you that as your primary diagnosis. Mm. Um, for other types of upper respiratory infections, you've got the uh, you know sinus infections that may have lasted a week or two uh, and are perhaps having that double sickening where they first get better and then they're getting worse again, those types of things. And as far as sore throats go, generally we restrict that for uh, documented strep pharyngitis. Yeah, I think we, we, we think we're supposed to treat bronchitis and, and many respiratory things with an antibiotic, and I, I believe you're right. Most are viral and most are self-limiting. Even, even bacterial sinusitis can be very self-limiting. Um, any thoughts about um, ways that clinicians can start changing their approach? 
towards overprescribing? Well, I think the first thing is to be open to the notion that uh, patients will listen to a good explanation as to whether or not an antibiotic is indicated. Going back to that study, one of the things they found was using um, visits where a antibiotic was prescribed as the baseline for similar types of individuals, they, did, they matched for age and demographics, and for similar conditions, whether it be bronchitis or pharyngitis or whatever, when no antibiotic was prescribed, the visit took 20 seconds longer. Wow. When they prescribed something besides another antibiotic, it actually took uh, just over a minute, 67 seconds longer. Either way, it's not a big deal, and it's not all that surprising that if you give a different medication, you have to explain more because you got to talk about side effects and things like that. So be comfortable with not prescribing something. They don't have to walk out of your office with a prescription. In the case of somebody having an asthma flare-up, obviously steroids and albuterol are, are important. But in general, the issue of antibiotic versus no antibiotic, don't let time be a factor in your thinking that I'm in a rush, so if I just give them this, I'll get out of the exam room faster. Yeah, I think you're right. There's not much clinical ben significance to 20 seconds here or there. And, and I really love the way you frame it, that patients don't want an antibiotic. They want to feel better. I think, I think that's a great approach to have that we need to have a mindset of and that we should focus our, our attentions to. And when you do that, you're, you, you build a degree of empathy with the patient. They know that you have heard their they're suffering, they're, you know, what is making them miserable, um, and, and that, that is very powerful. Well, Alan, this is great. Thanks so much. I appreciate your reminding us how important it is to treat patients, not our suspicion of what they want and need, and, and to be much more mindful about how we use antibiotics going forward. Thanks, Frank. Practice pointer. When patients are ill, begin from the position that patients want to feel better not that they want an antibiotic. Use your words and thoughtful approach to care for their clinical conditions and reserve antibiotics for only when they're absolutely necessary. Join us next time while we discuss the role of the HPV vaccine in preventing disease in individuals and everyone else in the community. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primed.com slash podcast and see you next week.